It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb, Eric, and Sean. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as disaster movies, films with colors in the title, and the mystery genre. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of movies from 74, 73 recently because I've been, I did a big playlist of disaster movies of the 70s. That's, how do you and do And I don't this? know, maybe, maybe 75 was the... I know, what no, you do you want Caleb's, Caleb's life where he has like a Halloween playlist, disaster movies from the early 70s. <laughs> I would love to do all that. How do you do that? Like, do you watch all the movies at 1.5 play speed? Like, how, how? <laughs> yeah, you know, you just watch a couple a week and... <laughs> I watched, I had a David Cronenberg re- retrospective. I'm like, what? What are you, a film festival in a house? Yes. What, what, what do you mean you had a retrospective? That's what I do. I do, I do my own film festival. I would love, <laughs> I want your prof- profession. Like, what the hell, man? That's so cool, but I don't know how you pull it off. And, you, and, your, and your partner, because I can't do that. Yeah, she's got no interest. I watch them with headphones. She sits next to me and reads. <laughs> Well, if she sits next to you, then that's oh, that's cool, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. No, but I was going to say, maybe 75 is the turning point, but up until that point, it was looking like really wonky in the 70s in the U.S. Some really weird stuff in those airport movies, or Earthquake, The Towering Inferno, they were all looking like they were still stuck in like maybe the late 60s. Ah, uh, watch it. Or Careful like a weird there, blend. Maybe not quite the late 60s, but didn't find their own kind of look yet it's very strange but and by the way why did you pick that genre i've always loved disaster movies of the 70s but i'd never seen a lot of the really big ones like the airport movies or um uh uh, the cassandra crossing i wanted to see black sunday so i was just like well you know there's at least like maybe like 10 of these movies that i've wanted to see for years why not just make a giant playlist of 20 flicks and just watch them so (laughs) i think those those movies are incredibly fun i i really liked the towering inferno so do Um, i mean i look no no. i'm speaking it's my judge (laughs) judy impersonation i'm sorry i didn't mean to be so rude that's just that's what we do in this house so you know i'm comfortable with you here (laughs) i'm speaking um but the thing about those movies i hope you're okay eric i didn't mean to are you kidding me (laughs) he's unoffendable do you know how many times okay, I've, been, right, uh, okay. I've been, uh, what do you call it? Um, not gang rape. That's not the right term. It's um, jumped. <laughs> jumped. Do you know how many times I've been jumped? Uh, that's, you know, old 90s vernacular. How many times I've okay. been jumped well, in my yeah. life? I mean, I mean, realistically, not metaphorically. I mean, literally, not verbally, metaphorically. Verbally, I think. Um, so, yeah, the, the great things about those movies is, you know, I call it, actually, it's sort of like survival adventure. 
you know, you'll have a bunch of, you, you've got, uh, uh, who's the, you know, uh, Fred Astaire, Robert Vaughn, E.G. Marshall. Towering Inferno. Uh, Towering Inferno. They're all trapped in this Simpson. building. And O.J. Simpson, uh, you know, a bunch of people that were in Colombo. And, you know, <laughs> it's true. And it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, Robert Vaughn has been like, you know, leading this. He's the senator. He falls to his death out of nowhere. And everybody just keeps, you know, it's 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 fun because you never know who's going to survive and who won't. Yeah, Poseidon Adventure is another one. Oh my oh, god, that's excellent. Yeah, Shelley Winters is married to Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka, and she dies from a heart attack, saving everybody's lives. Uh, swimming, she got an Academy Award nomination. The Gene Hackman character, this like radicalist pastor who's like, we yeah. gotta do everything ourselves. God's not gonna look out for us. I thought that was quite a, a step for the time. But that character, yeah. I mean. Yeah, that was one of my all-time favorite movies growing up. I just wore my VHS. And I still have my old VHS. doesn't work anymore. But but I recently watched on Disney Plus in HD. And it was, yeah, just a marvel going back to that thing. So, so that good. would See, if I was home alone, you know, I would order a pizza with extra cheese, extra sauce, and just watch the Poseidon Adventure the 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 sequel which i didn't even know existed until i found it on i TV saw the one day. sequel first i think but yeah oh sweet mm. jesus the jew again <laughs> it's what was on television when i was growing up and so they showed the sequel multiple times during my childhood and i loved it and of course the the remake that has another bevy of celebrities but i mean there's that oh. scene wh- where they escape from the ballroom by climbing up the Christmas tree, and there's only a handful of them are gonna that are gonna do it, oh, and you don't know who's thing. gonna survive. And everybody else, like a hundred people, fucking die from drowning, and they just leave them behind. There's nothing they can do, and it's so heart wrenching. Yeah, there's this old pastor who's like he's against Hackman's new radical style, and he's like, I gotta stay with them. You know, I mean, that's what yeah. you gotta hope for the best. And Hackman's like, it's a metaphor, no. you see. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and Leslie Nielsen is the captain. You're like, oh my god, Leslie Nielsen is in this movie. No, do not get your heart set on Leslie Nielsen. He's not going to last ten minutes into the movie. Dead, dead, all dead. And you've got the kids because yeah. you always got to have kids. Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, he's I showed up in a couple of those disaster movies, and it's funny that he started his comedy career with one of them with Airplane. Very interesting. Well, that's because yeah, that's because Airplane is basically the same. Uh, uh, story as a disaster movie. Well, yeah, it's the spoof of disaster movies. Come yeah, on, that's the parody. Yeah, <laughs> right. Everyone knows this, but no, but no, I didn't... there was a there was an old movie, an old black and, black and white movie that they just they didn't have the rights, so they just stole the story and made it put cast actors in it that would have been in that original movie, you know, serious actors, and then made it a comedy. I'm so well, sorry. But, Keep on going. But it was also a, a spoof on the airport, the yes. airport franchise. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is the part of the podcast where we say everything obvious. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I just got to mention one more thing. Because I told you guys I have my disaster film playlist, right? I'm such a lunatic. Not only did I put them by release date in terms of the year and the month, but I even wrote the month in my stupid little list here. So I've got like Airport, March 1970, the Skyjacked, which is kind of like the better version of Airport. Uh, 72 May. Like, what, what am I doing with my time? <laughs> no, I like that though. I like that though. No, I, no, I like that though because I, I, I don't do that meticulously. But every now and then, I like to imagine, like, I do that with like 1977, and 
I try to imagine like what were people seeing in the theater like in March that year and then May and then it was Star mm-hmm. Wars and everyone was watching it. Oh no, I'm sorry. It was Saturday Night Fever was the big one and then Star Wars came and then like or maybe I have them reversed. But either way, I always just try to imagine what it was like to be there. And 82 was another great year to play this game with and look at what was releasing each week in 82. It was just like the year 82 oh, was a yeah. film festival in of itself. And it's just it's tremendous. <laughs> Um, like what a time to be alive. Uh, and, uh, no, but I was wondering because I never knew until today that, uh, Caleb had this penchant for that genre. And so I wanted to know, I wanted to ask, so do you just live for all the Emmerich movies, whether you love them or hate them? Um, but do you, no, you, no. Do, you don't, it's, it's like a completely different thing. What mm-hmm. I love about those 70s films is when I like the practical effects. And I also just love seeing all these old Hollywood actors mm-hmm. having kind of their chance to play. And they're all kind of the same. I mean, there's a certain kind of like comfort blanket to them. Yeah. The new disaster movies are like a noise festival. Yes. In- Independence yes. Day kind of tried to capture that because they had all those oh. different characters, but it just didn't quite work. I, mean, I don't know fuck. if it's just... Is anyone's interest piqued by the new Emmerich offering that's coming out sometime soon? Have y'all seen the trailer for that? I What's don't even it know called? what that is. I think it's called Moonfall. I think it's called Moonfall. Probably not. Good I, grief. I, know, you know. I saw the trailer at the movies not too long ago and I was like, oh wow. Okay, another ginormous you know, disaster movie, but now we're, I mean, it's Moonfall. You can tell by the title what it's about. Um... And I'm just like, holy smokes. And then, of course, Emmerich. And I was like, holy shit, here we go. Here we go. So, anyway. You know what? Probably <laughs> I shouldn't be too hard on the guy. Uh, because, I mean, at least they're not the Wachowski. He's not the Wachowski sisters. My God. Talk about it. <laughs> Aw. Because they've collectively had... Sean's already got his prepaid <laughs> ticket for Matrix 4. I know it. <laughs> Fuck I've that. No. No. <laughs> I've seen Jupiter Ascending. No. That's bad, but at least at least they're ambitious. They were trying. They're ambitious. Emmerich, I feel yeah. like he just directs on autopilot. It's like, what elements did I do in my last movie? Throw it in a blender. Okay, that's what I'm doing this time. Grab the same actors I worked with. Uh, people will come see it. Like, that fucking guy doesn't give a shit. But crazier, bigger effects every single time. It's crazy. Yeah, he, yeah, he makes the movies for his special effects house to produce, basically. Just films, probably sits in a chair all day like Lucas did. Films nonsense scenes. At least the Wachowskis try to, they just fail constantly because they're not <laughs> great filmmakers. But... <laughs> I'm going to watch that damn Matrix 4. <laughs> but, by the way, Caleb, I assume you're going to cut all this out and put it in like No, he's not. Bonus. Yeah. <laughs> or, okay, yeah. maybe like that. The last time you did that, I was taking a shower listening to podcasts. And any any one of your podcasts that has me, I don't listen to it. I just swipe left and, and delete it. Aww. Well, I was trapped in the shower, and I had to listen to my own drunk. And I was really, I would, could tell I was drunk. I had to, like, wash my hair and wash my, while listening to my drunks, I was like, I can't stand this. But, um, so, as you may know, I was, my parents separated, or divorced when I was a baby, and I wasn't reunited with my real, fa- quote-unquote, real father until maybe three years ago uh, when I was up there for, for uh, Christmas. And uh, I asked him what his favorite movie is because I do that a lot. And do you know what he said? <laughs> no clue. Armageddon. Hmm. 
Hey, oh, it's, it's got its good parts. That's one of the best. Of released it. Whatever yeah. genre that is, it's one of the best. Favorite movie of all time? Like you couldn't have said Jaws or Godfather. Like seventy-five percent of all the you know white males in the in the in the hey, country. Maybe he remembers the day when Bruce Willis was a real star and he likes that kind of sappy stuff. I mean, uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's it's got its appeal. People people enjoy it. I mean, I, I, I was going through my film snob film snob phase, my young film snob phase when that movie came out. So I tried my hardest not to enjoy it, even though there are enjoyable bits. <laughs> you know, I tried not to enjoy it at the time, and I was trying to make fun of my friends who did like it at the time. But then when I started revisiting it about ten fifteen years later, now I kind of think it's like the best of that genre of that time, and so. Now I have this thing for it, even though I was the biggest hater in the world back in the day. Just gotta say, on Armageddon. I don't know. Yeah. Give me uh, what's that one where everybody dies at the end with uh, um, Elijah Wood? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deep Impact. Deep Impact. No, 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 no. no. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, I, I love that. That was just cheesy that fun. Was that was okay. That, yeah. that, I just love it when everybody dies at the end. That's so cool. No, no, no. Melancholia. <laughs> I've only watched that for the boobs. Have you seen that, Sean? I haven't seen that, no. Hmm. I've seen the Melancholia boobs, but I haven't seen the rest of it. Who's that directed by again? Yeah, Lars von Trier. That guy I just oh, I do not Jesus know. Christ. Is he a good filmmaker? Is he just a kind of a shock jock kind of filmmaker where he's... I. I I have no clue with that guy. Yeah, yeah. He, I'm sorry, Deep Impact, made, first of all, was in fear right from the get-go because it didn't have um, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler? Um, oh, but, come on. But, but Deep Impact, I had never seen it like since it was at the movies. I saw it at the movies, and I never saw it again. And it was playing on on Pluto or something. Uh, I caught like the end of it um, about, I don't know, five months ago. It, if, watch it now. Deep Impact. It looks like a made-for-TV movie. Its its special effects and everything are so terrible. Even for its the year it released, it looks like a television movie. It's really bad. The only way I could okay. see like a person liking it now is for the goof factor, like to goof on oh, it. Oh no, yeah, no. I, I, you know what it is? It's an end of the world movie. You know where you've got everybody preparing for the end of the world, and I kind of like that. And there's been other movies like that. Don't ask me what, what they are. But a friend at the end of the world, and I kind of like that idea, like, what are we all going to do if we know that the world's going to end on October 1st, 2021? What are you going to Are you going to go out and kill a bunch of people? Or are you going to go out and, like, Not doing fuck that. a bunch of times? Um, are you going to just, like, take off all your clothes and run around Wrigley Field and get arrested? And I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be boring, I think, and, and do mostly the same things I do on a regular day. I think I might do heroin. There you I've go. always wondered what heroin's, heroin's like. Oh, Me too. I'll definitely smoke pot for the first time. Uh, You've never smoked pot? Oh, God, I've man. never done anything uh, illicit or yeah, or recreational ever. Not even mushrooms? <laughs> well, if you haven't done pot, I'm sure you have I've done recreational but... M&Ms, but like, I mean, nothing past that. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, there were strange days. I guess they were doing, I guess it was probably Y2K that they were like, oh, Y2K's coming, let's do some end of the world stuff strange days was kind of an odd flick there was a y2k uh made for tv movie i remember like you know what happens and you know, there were plane crashes and all this shit and yeah i don't know why that was funny 
I think that was the beginning of uh, Iron Man 3, where it's like 12 years ago, <laughs> and it's like the dawn of Y2K, and I thought that was that it, that was the only part of the movie that entertained <laughs> me when I saw it in the theater, because that's one of my least favorite MCU movies, but but I, oh, yeah, it was a joke that worked. I'm, I'm starting to come around on it a little bit because of the Christmas story angle, but um, but yeah, that was uh, historically not one of my favorite MCUs. Um, I'm still enjoying this movie that's playing in front of my eyes. Um, yes, me too. Oh yeah, it. what is it? Uh, <laughs> blue sky, uh, deep purple, purple. Red. Oh yeah, deep red. That's you know what, Caleb. You, that's what you should do. You should do a marathon of movies with colors in their name. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if there is a lot of other movies. There's the color purple. You don't know there's a lot of movies. I feel like if we if we just do some simple googling. We'll find all kinds of things. There is those. There is that French colors trilogy where it was like white, uh, blue, and red. I think they were called. Yeah, that was the last. I did uh, three colors red for the last solo episode mm-hmm. I did of the Thousand One Movies podcast. There's got to be tons. I mean, from Red Sonia to Red Dawn. Deep oh Lucy. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Thin um, Red Line. Black. <laughs> I've got. I know. I've got a lot of. Uh, Movies that have the name Black, Black Christmas, Black Narcissus, Black, uh, Black Sabbath, Rain. Black Rain. Oh my God, Jesus Christ! I thought you were younger than that, Caleb. Younger than uh, which one? Black Rain. That's like a Michael Douglas, like 1980s action flick that no one thinks about anymore. My parents had it on VHS. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. There you they go. They had a giant VHS collection, which is one of the reasons that I'm the person I am today. And they didn't pay attention to what I watched. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about this. I mean, all the all the darn Chinese movies with red in the title, Red Sorghum, yeah. Red Lantern. Uh, yeah, Raise the Red Lantern. About white. Do we have any a White Christmas? White Sands. I think there was a movie called White Sands with uh, uh what was his name? Uh, was it the wrestler guy? Oh, I can't remember. Mickey Rourke was that it? You guys remember this movie? <laughs> I, I don't know that one. I remember the one called The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. I think it had, uh, I think it had uh, Willem Dafoe in it as well. I have a very vague recollection of that movie, but like when I just type, when I just started typing movies with color, and then it automatically fills with in the title, and there, there's a bajillion: Green Mile, Men in Black, Red Dragon, Black Panther, Moulin oh, Rouge. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll just go on forever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a bad idea for a series. <laughs> I am curious, Yellow. I am curious. Uh, wasn't there a sequel called I Am Curious Blue or something? I've always wanted to see those movies. Oh, Blue is the Warmest Color. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't Eat the Yellow Snow. Um... <laughs> That's another one. Movies that start with the word don't. Don't go in the basement. Don't answer the phone. Don't go in the... Oh, don't that, drink oh, the water. They have that remake coming. Of, I know what you did last summer. Well, his new box set of, I don't know, like maybe 10 of his movies came out uh, just recently. So I did not know that. I'll have to look into yeah. that. But that scene is very similar to the scene in this one with the car, but it's funnier. And I love when he gets out of the car. Uh, Woody Allen gets out of the car and he says, "Okay, it's okay. I'll walk to the curb from here." <laughs> oh, I've never seen that. I, hmm. You've never seen I, any uh, though? Oh lord! I don't like, lord I don't like Woody Allen. I I just can't stand his sense of humor. 
Not a one of his films. I mean, with with the variety that's out there. No, I'm not saying that he every movie that he makes is bad. I'm just saying I don't like him. So the movies that he stars in. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that either. But I'm just saying you haven't stumbled across one that you were like, oh yeah, okay, maybe this. I, one. I've seen, like I said, I've seen movies of, that he's directed that I've liked, but I've seen movies oh, okay. that star him on TV, and I've seen that horrible Casino Royale, and I just I find his uh, kind of personality on screen just obnoxious and not funny. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And this is where I would say, oh, check out this or this. Uh, cause there's, he did a couple that nobody thinks of anymore. And I personally like him, but yeah, he's pretty much the same throughout. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I love when other characters remind me of the nebbish, uh, yeah. Woody Allen. Yeah. And, and, and some of the stuff when he stopped having himself in, in the movies, like, uh, John Cusack in bullets over Broadway, we're doing it again. We're not talking about the film that we're supposed to. Oh, and Bullets Over Broadway. He's basically doing Woody Allen. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of Woody Allen surrogates like in his newer movies. Yeah. Or his later um, movies. Absolutely. Uh, Midnight, Midnight in Paris. Totally. You could just see a younger Woody Allen playing that character. Uh, Owen Wilson did. Is it Owen Wilson? Yeah, absolutely. I get my Wilson. Absolutely. Name. And then what's his name from... from uh, the Social Network movie. What's his name? He was the, the Woody Allen stand-in for a while. Oh, I don't. Oh. Rem- I don't remember that one. Uh, the one in Rome is one. Uh, but yeah, he, he's the token Woody Allen stand-in. Yeah, I, I, I like. I like the Woody Allen films that kind of move away from that stuff. Like there was that. What was that? Oh, fuck. There was Match Point that I quite liked. Absolutely. Um, oh, what was that other one? Celebrity. Blue something. Jasmine. There was with uh, Blue Jasmine. yeah with Sean. Pe- oh yeah, Blue Jasmine. Oh, yeah, that was she a good was one. great. Yeah, but yeah, no, the comedies. I just, I, I just can't get. I just can't get there. So. <laughs> oh my lord! I mean, I'm not saying they're all good, but again, we just spoke about Annie Hall, which is one of the pinnacle uh, of not just Woody Allen's career, but just the damn genre of, of movies like that, like Harry Met Sally and all those other types of. I don't know what you call that brand. Like, I, I think those are. Uh, those are romantic comedies that Eric would watch. That genre. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, me too. Me too. It is the ultimate romantic comedy. I think maybe when Harry Met Sally is more of a... But... No, but I'm saying Ro- Harry Met Sally is, is in that vein, is what I'm saying, of that uh, Annie Hall type uh, romantic comedy. Because the, the, when I first looked it up earlier today, just what Giallo meant, um, the first thing I saw was just like a mystery horror. Like that's all I saw, you know, before I started reading more. And the first thing that popped in my mind was because Sean reminded me recently that he had um, watched all the Harry Potter movies. And I had mentioned some months ago to him, I think as well, like, I'm surprised you're not into them because... They mix horror and mystery together, and that's kind of one of the, uh, hmm. that's one of the, uh, what do you call it, the gra- not the grabs, but it's, it's one of the things that made those books and, and movies, uh, the hook, they were the, it was the hook that made those movies and books interesting at the beginning until you realize there's actually a heck of a lot more than just that. But that's the thing that gets you in the door uh, and entertain you, entertains you, is just the way they blend not horror but you know gothic i don't know whatever yeah magic uh scariness 
and then and then the mystery element which is in every single book and every single movie which is just like wow this is cool like i was already in it but it's a mystery every single time and and it especially mine and sean's age you know there's a lot of the the young adult and kid uh mystery books when we were growing up and and harry potter is like the epitome of that if you grew up with that stuff like me and sean did harry potter is like the epitome style well i didn't but, i didn't really grow up with it i mean i watched maybe the first movie came out when i was like 25. no not harry potter i'm talking <laughs> about no the mystery the kid mystery books that we grew up with like the oh, uh, encyclopedia oh, oh, brown uh, and like all the there was yes. like plenty of other stuff Nancy, when we were in grade Nancy school Drew, the hardy boys well that predates us but but i mean there was a whole bunch of that stuff when you and i were in grade school and i used to eat that shit up and I'm just saying, Harry yeah, Potter sure is not. like the best version of all those things. Like it's 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 the high point of that style. Yeah, I I remember if when you read Encyclopedia Brown, I think they would do this cool thing that they used to do in movies way back. Well, like in two movies way back in the day, where you'd read the whole thing and it would tell you, okay, you've got enough to know the 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 solution, and then the, you you'd have to go to the next page of the solution. Did they do that with Encyclopedia Brown? I think they did. Yeah, I think so. Yes, and I remember I think, thinking, yes. I think I remember uh, thinking myself quite the sleuth because I, I would figure it out maybe half the time. Yes. Um, they also had these awesome books in the 80s, and it was by this particular author where they would tell a short, it was only two pages, and, and the left page was a, like a picture of the crime scene, and then on the right page, they would tell you, okay, so-and-so died, she was this and this and this, and then they would ask you some questions, and then who killed this person? And I had a book, and it was called The Clue Armchair Detective, and my mom bought it for me because it was Clue. But I sat and looked, it was, it was glossy pages, all color, really good pictures of like crime scenes and stuff, um, even a little bloody. And a lot of the stories revolved around some of the six characters from Clue. And I remember being so absorbed in that. I mean, I was like an old lady with a Sudoku or a crossword puzzle. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, didn't, I didn't have, yeah. I, I don't know that book. It sounds amazing. But I remember having books that enthralled me exactly in the same way when I was that age because of the pictures and the drawings and then just like just staring at it and trying to figure it out. I remember stuff yeah. like that. And by the way, if you like stuff like that, um, and you know, other than seeing the lady, the killer at the beginning in the corner of your eye, and you probably won't catch it because it's in a hallway filled with uh, portraits of faces. There is a well, shit. I, Eric already knows this. I forgot that I. There is a film called The Last of Sheila, which is a. <laughs> I, sw I It is the only like interactive mystery movie that i can think of where you can actually figure it out as you're watching it and then when it's revealed at the end the solution to the mystery you're slapping your head saying i saw that why didn't i think of that you know um and there's elements of that in colombo as well but i love speaking I of love that, that movie. movie um what is it called again the the last of sheila the last of sheila which, by the way, the solution to the mystery is in the, the, the title of the movie. So when you bring that up right now, you know, because I've been trying to figure this out in my mind, what, what The Last of Sheila reminds me of, and it just happened right now. It, cause, because it does seem like, again, like like as if it's based on a game, 
but it's the motion picture, you know, like as if there right. was a game that existed called The Last of Sheila, and then here's the movie version. And it kind of reminds me of, even though I haven't seen it in a million years, and one day we'll do it for Progneg, but um, um, oh, the movie with Henry Thomas from the 80s, um, not E.T., um, uh, the one where he thinks he's like a secret spy or something. Um, oh, uh, Throat and Dagger? Cloak yes, and dagger. Cloak and Dagger, Cloak and Dagger. And you know how Cloak and Dagger, even though I haven't seen it in 40, 35 years, um, so you know how Cloak and Dagger... It's almost like it's a game as well, but it's a movie. You know what I mean, Sean? Golly, I haven't seen it since I was... Well, if you go back and watch it, it's almost, again, like something as if it was there was a game, Cloak and Dagger, and then someone was making a movie based upon the game is almost how the movie comes off. Um, and then when you brought up Last of Sheila now, I was thinking Last of Sheila, it feels like something that, yes, it's an actual movie, but I can just imagine it being chopped up into segments... And it would be like one of those DVD party games of like uh-huh. the '90s, 2000s. I could just like Sheila. It's it's almost like it was designed to be one of those DVD party games where you would like watch like three minute segments and you know write down what you think you saw and then like you know play the next segment, discuss. You know what I'm saying? Pause and now discuss. Yes. That's how that movie actually plays out. But it's it's just a movie. Uh, but yeah. it's it's like it's designed. To be something completely else, uh, and I and I love that. As with Clue, uh, when you watch, uh, well, when you play Clue, there are six suspects: three men, three women. And Caleb, have you seen this movie? Caleb, <laughs> it might be a technical difficulty. I think I think he fell asleep. I thought I heard a yawn. No, there. The, I, I, I a, this happens once or every now and then on Zencaster. Um, I wonder if that, if that, because he's probably trying to talk to us right now, but we can't hear him. Oh no! Sorry, I ran to go get some. Money. <laughs> <laughs> We're like talking to you for the last four or five minutes. Oh, Sean no. was, and it was all directed towards you. And then he's like, so Caleb, have you seen it? Oh, Sean, I <laughs> I apologize. But... <laughs> Go repeat yourself if you don't want to. <laughs> All the dialogue for the last four minutes has been directed towards you. And we just now said, so have you seen it? <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about? And you weren't even here. Yeah, we, we, were, we were talking about a movie called The, the Last of Sheila. With, uh... Oh, I heard that. I heard that part. Yeah, no, I've never seen that. You know, you said oh, it was, uh... my gosh. Like a mystery it, that you could solve yourself if you uh, put the pieces together. Something it like was that. written by, by written by Anthony Perkins and Stephen Soundheim. Mm. Oh, well, you'll wow. hear this when you edit together <laughs> when we're talking to you. And actually, <laughs> when they made the movie Clue, they went to Anthony Perkins and Stephen Soundheim to make the move to to write the script because they did such a well job with uh, Last of Sheila, and they oh, wow. declined. I think that they weren't um, they were asking for too much money or something, and. Actually, it's probably better because eh, no, last of the last of Sheila is a bit of a comedy, but it's it's fantastic as a murder mystery buff. I love it, and I know that uh, Ryan. Who do you all hate from the Star Wars? The guy who made Knives Out, Ryan Johnson. Ryan right? Johnson. Ryan Johnson. I, I don't. Sorry. I don't hate him for that. I think he was obnoxious on the production of that, but I think he's a quality. Oh, me and Caleb have said Looper. have said five thousand words on that subject uh, offline. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was. Uh, he has cited the Last of Sheila as one of his uh, inspirations. Uh, fun hmm. fact about Knives Out: the the family is uh, 
Thromby, the, the Thromby family, which is a really unusual name. But back in the day when I was a wee lad, um, I would read those choose your own adventure books. Of course. And there was one called Who Killed Har- Harlow Thromby? And well, oh. I, I tweeted Brian Johnson about that and asked him if, you know, that's where he got the name from. He didn't, he didn't respond, though. The bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't know your, your career of reviewing movies or else he should have responded. Yeah, it's it's like uh, when I tweeted t- Ted Cruz and said, "Could you please get tell your people not to take down our Beto O'Rourke signs?" And he he didn't do anything. He didn't respond. <laughs> oh, and I know this this is gonna be a nightmare for Caleb to edit out all the junk, but I just wanted to say this oh, to you guys, are. not for the podcast, but just <laughs> because because I brought up Harry Potter a little while ago, I just wanted to put a button on on that what we were talking about amongst ourselves. That that's what got me into that series because you know it was all popular and I'll, I'll I will check out anything popular to see you know what's going on and I remember seeing it at the theater the first time not having read the book yet and uh, and thinking oh okay I see oh okay this is a high quality kids movie okay I can see the merit of this I like it and you know there's a mystery right like a whodunit in the movie yeah and I and and I thought oh this is so obvious it's so obvious who the who the baddie is or who the killer is or whatever you want to call it the miscreant and so i just went along with it because like oh this is for kids oh all the obvious clues oh it's so obvious and then when there was the twist that the killer's not who you think it is i was so taken by surprise because i thought this was for children i was so taken by surprise by the twist that's what pulled me into the franchise and that's what made me start reading the books, and that's what like made me a huge yes. fan, because I I didn't know it was going to be high minded. I thought it was just a straight hey, up kids thing. That's what I'm learning to love about Murder She Wrote, because there the last episode, the the last episode of Murder She Wrote we did, I'm like oh, I know exactly who it is. This is so obvious. It's so dumb. No, they they showed us everything, just like in Deep Red, they showed us everything that we could do to solve the mystery, but it wasn't so obvious. Um, oh. And I really, anyway, yeah. I, I need to catch up on that. I've been so caught up with my disaster movies and horror movies I've been watching <laughs> that I just have not been able to keep up with Murder She Wrote. But I got to get back to that. A non sequitur thing I wanted to say about Deep Red. Um, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. No, he's got to go back to editing and put this in the <laughs> Deep Red podcast. That's why Insomnia took so long. <laughs> And Eric, you, you were going to say something about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What what, what was it you were going to bring up? Well, I wasn't. Well, there's there's things because I, I told you too. Like um, the, you know, I guess everyone's seen that movie, right? Who's ever going to see it has already seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because I don't want to spoil it for those who yeah, haven't seen it. Go ahead. But you know, there's the over the top ending that you don't really see coming, and yeah. then once it's there, it's hilarious. You're in it. Yes. Um, and I told you I saw a movie that you haven't seen yet from the year like 71 or 72 that ends almost in the exact same way. I don't mean it ends like beat for beat exactly the same, but I mean it's the same in that you've been watching this movie and you, you think you know how the, on what terms the movie is playing. Uh, okay, wait. What what movie is I that? It's, what it's, don't it's, say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Why? Because the thing, Sean, is it'd be a spoiler. Oh, that's true. Like it ends. 
Well, no, 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 no. Well, it will be a spoiler in terms of tone because you're, you're going to be expecting something. It's so true. It would be a spoiler in that sense. But, I mean, no one's going to watch the movie um, uh, that I'm talking about. <laughs> I probably would. Um, yes, I'll watch you, anything. Yes, you will. But, well, I'm sorry because I'm going to spoil it in a second. I'm, I'm looking at the title right now. Um, um, hold on. Okay, this is driving me crazy. You, you know what? In, 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 in Quentin Tarantino's style, Caleb, if you don't want you know the readers to hear what the title is, you just beat it out, beep it out like Beatrix Kiddo. Oh, that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, I could use the same sound effect. Yeah. Very clever, very clever. Okay, sound. I think it's I think it's this movie Drive. He said from 1971. Um, Where is that from? It's a great title. It's from the BBS Criterion Collection uh, set. Oh, it's American. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it's Drive, he said, um, starring Bruce Dern. Well, he's not the the main character, but he's one of the top billing. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I gotta check that out. Fucking love Bruce Dern. Oh my god, he's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But anyway, <laughs> oh, yeah. anyway. So it, wait, wait. I'm so sorry. Sorry, Eric. I, I just is that in that BBC? And, uh, yes, or BBS yes. criteria? Yes. Shit. Okay. So there's this movie called Drive, he said, from 1971. Starring Bruce Dern and and other less notables, and um, and you're watching the movie and you're following along the drama of the movie and that's fine and you're you're understand on what terms the movie is playing dramatically, and then there's a scene at the end where shit just goes whole like out the window in a very similar way to as um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and there's no way you could possibly see that tonal shift coming. And then it just happens, and you're like, holy shit. And as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh my fucking god. Don't, I mean, Tarantino had to have all this in his head as he was writing and then making the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm still, I'm, this started though with Tarantino being inspired by Argento or Deep Red, <laughs> and I don't see where this is going. I mean, I'm interested in it, nevertheless, maybe the readers. No, where it's going is. I the, this whole Giallo um, and I'm sure specifically Deep Red and all the other uh, famous Argento movies and Giallo movies. That's just one massive tool that um, Tarantino has in his big movie making tool bag, and he wields it to varying degrees depending on which movie he's ta- you're talking about that he's made. And I think some of his movies are one third Giallo style, some are one eighth uh, Giallo style, but I think there's a significant fraction in every single one of his movies and and he's taking those like wild non sequitur moments and music and 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 juxtaposing music that you wouldn't juxtaposing music that you wouldn't match with this visual with that sound he's taking all those stylistic cues and then like i said now he's doing a western movie but he's doing things that they would do in a giallo movie uh, stylistically, but he's doing it in a Western okay. setting, and then he's and oh, that's funny because there is a whodunit aspect in uh, Hateful Eight. But anyway, and there are horror vibes in that movie, but it's in a Western setting, and that's what I'm saying. It's this okay. weird mishmash okay. of he's taking all I, this stuff. I don't agree at all. <laughs> I think that if you were looking at Italian directors that uh, Tarantino was inspired from, it wouldn't be Argento; it would be Sergio Leone. Obviously, I mean you've got oh, the no, no. Okay, okay, okay. But he's got the flavor of all. Of them. I realize this is just a thought experiment, and it can't actually be proven. Like, yeah, but yeah, it's okay. I would put down my life savings 
that if we could actually call him right now, Tarantino, and I would say, Tarantino, please, I know you know Argento's work. Yes, of course. Please just give me some of your biggest moments in some of your movies where Argento was right there in your head as you wrote that scene or you filmed that scene. And I bet you he would name at least two or three things that I had mentioned. I know we could never prove this, but I would bet all my money in the world that he would say, oh, you know that, yeah. that sound cue and Kill Bill? Oh, shit, there you go. I just won my bet. Yeah, I I agree with you. I would love to. I mean, in fact, I'll do Nanny Hall. I, I actually have uh, Quentin Tarantino right here. Quentin, um, <laughs> were you ever influenced by the uh, Giallo? Me and you are on the same wavelength. I was going to say he was a, a friend of the show, and I'd call him up. <laughs> <laughs> but, to be fair, but to be fair to you guys or Sean, he would say, yes, Argento influenced that scene, and then he would name nine other movies and nine other directors that also influenced that same exact scene. I know he would I know that's exactly what would happen. Um, and and he would and he would go, Yeah, yeah. Th- I, this was here and this was there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't see this. And it um, is an amazing coincidence because like Hateful Eight, for instance. I know it's it's an homage to um the Westerns and stuff, but then of course it, he always has his Italian movie connections. Not in Hateful Eight, he has Morricone damn scoring the damn thing. Um, Bruce Dern is in both of them. That one and um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Of course, he knows everything Bruce Dern's ever been in. Of course, he's going to have those crazy thoughts in his head as he's penning the script. And so, okay, it would be insane for him to say, "Oh, you know what? I never made that connection." <laughs> like it's a total coincidence. I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't want to go all Norm Mailer uh, versus Gore Vidal on uh, uh, the uh, Dick Dickavich show, but I don't see this at all. I don't see this. I think the Hateful Eight, which I love, I love that movie because it's you know eight nine people talking in a in a in a in a room, and it slowly progresses, and all of a sudden you realize halfway through, oh my god! I mean, I think he would be more inspired by the thing. Yes. Which There's no he question. directly was because of Ennio Morricone basically kind of used the same score yes. according to no, Kyle. But Sean, you're 100 percent right. Uh, but you know, I would say he was also more motivated by something like, and then there were none. Yes, mm. and and me saying that is like you know. Yes, you're right. Uh, okay, but, so so he start he started with Stagecoach, and then there were none, and uh, the third one you just said. Wait, hold on, what were you gonna say? What were you gonna say, Caleb? I was gonna say Eric's overall point isn't that he's taking you know, necessarily plot threads or necessarily drawing like direct images. It's more like the tone is what you were trying to say, Eric. I'm saying both. I'm saying both. I'm saying there's tone and there is direct actual Argento was literally in his mind for that 20 seconds of that movie, not the whole entire (laughs) movie, but I'm saying if we could ask and, and like what Sean just said, yes, that movie is primarily the thing stagecoach, and then there were none. That is obviously the main template. But what I'm saying well, is, I think we're both right. Oh, you brought up stagecoach is excellent. That's that's very good. That's that's obviously yeah. That's yeah. the template. But then he's taking his Giolo um, tool bag and he's sprinkling that seasoning onto the stew. And then he's taking something else from slasher movies and sprinkling it onto that same stew that was made out of those three main elements. Those are the proteins. Those three things, those are the proteins. The giallo is some of the seasoning that he's like throwing onto it. And there's a bunch of other stuff besides the giallo. 
and what I'm saying, there's, and the reason I say this is because I've obviously obviously watched a lot of interviews and and uh, special features with him speaking, and that's how he always is with these things. Like, yes, there's the obvious connections, but then he has like ten other things for that same scene that he's pulling from, you know, the Dirty Dozen and this and that and that, and it's like all at the, it's all at the same time uh, in like one if we pick out little scenes. And the fact that he had Bruce Stern in the movies, both of them, this had to be like swimming around in his head. Um, there's a this has nothing to do with anything, well, except this. Uh, there, uh, he was on uh, he was on Jimmy Fallon or something. I, this just showed up on my Facebook. He was being interviewed, and Jimmy Fallon, he just had these like um, random like B B and C movies like on VHS from like the early '80s, and they were all like little slasher cult classic things but shit no one's ever heard of except for caleb and uh he was just he was like he's like i got all these videos here they're actual vintage and he's just reading the descriptions off the bat and these are movies that no one's heard of except for caleb and he's like i want to see if you can guess them just for me reading the description without seeing any of the actors or anything and it's just like amazing the way he's like uh killer cats from central high is that what it is and and then there was even one that um, Jimmy Fallon was like, no, it's not Killer Cats from Central High. It's um, uh, Donnie Brothers' Graduation. And then he's like, wow, how did I miss that? And he's like, I know that movie. It's Killer Cats. And then Jimmy Fallon's like, the producer's like, what? What? Oh, the original title of the game, uh, of the movie was The So-and-So Graduation. It was changed on VHS to The Killer Cats or whatever. And then it's like, holy shit. Like, this guy is out of control. Like, movie genius, I mean, you know, so I'm, I don't even, whatever, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It is funny that you, it is funny that you went off on that tangent, because this whole time I've been holding off trying to say, <laughs> um, for you, Sean, because uh, we were talking about Inglorious Bastards, and one of the characters is named uh, Hugo uh, Stiglitz. Have you ever seen the Italian film Nightmare City? No. Starring Hugo Stiglitz? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. He's <laughs> yeah, a schlock, All right. schlock actor that Tarantino just took the name from and put into that movie. But Nightmare City is a great kind of Italian uh, kind of zombie radiation horror flick. Hmm. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. It's, I think it's one of the classics of Italian horror, but absolutely check that out. I may know it by a different name because they do that a lot. See, what I'm really trying to say is yeah. that young Caleb here is the second coming of Tarantino. If if me and Sean could have done a podcast with like a twenty something year old Tarantino, it would have been Caleb. <laughs> That's what I'm actually saying. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can beat Tarantino. That guy's got a. I guess he's got like thirty years on me, but no. But I stand by my theoretical bet that if we could call him right now, he would he would say yes. I was thinking of Deep Red when I shot the scene in my movie. Da da da. Whatever. Well, I think it's a great question because I feel like. Um, there is some merit to your theory, and if I was a professor, I would like you to write it out in an eight-page thesis. Um, <laughs> but you're right; uh, we don't write theses anymore because we're all like fucking adults in our yeah. Because everything's fuck. a podcast now. He's got time for that yeah. shit. Um, but yeah, I would love to ask him that question. I guarantee you pull out thirty things from his movies. It'd be insane. Since we're talking about the uh, the influence of the giallo, speaking of uh, kind of more some other giallos, 
you've seen Don't Look Now, right, Sean? Yes, yes. Do you feel like that was kind of like a British take on a giallo? In absolutely its own yes, absolutely yes. Absolutely, I didn't really think of it. Um, I don't. The thing about that movie, though, is it doesn't have quite the level of violence that mm. um, giallo films do until the very end. I mean, we know that somebody has been killed, but you're right. Like the character of the psychic, she's a very giallo film person. But the one thing that I always go back to when I think of that movie, and I can't help it, is the four... Actually, it has one of the most sensual and yet graphic sex scenes ever in a movie. Oh, and hell yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's not erotic. Like, I'm not titillated by it at all. And that's not just because it's uh, heterosexual sex, but it's like, <laughs> man, this is like... I'll, I'll say I'm I'm a little titillated. I mean I've got really? I don't have a thing for Donald Sutherland normally, but yeah, during that <laughs> scene, there's just such a level of intimacy there. Like, yeah, I get a little I get a little sweaty. I'm titillated <laughs> by this conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know Margaret Cho has this 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 thing where she you know like whenever you meet somebody, and sometimes you can't help but think what it would be like to have sex with them, not because you're attracted mm-hmm. to them, but it's kind of the exact opposite. And that's how I think of Donald Sutherland. And, <laughs> you know, maybe he was rocking it in 1970, whatever. I'd rather have older. Well, maybe not. Maybe I should just shut up. About that. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but, yeah, it, I, I, I still don't know what I feel about that movie. Um, because I feel like there was it was inspired, very inspired by Giacchi. Who was the director? Oh, I don't remember. Some some guy I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could you could almost call that movie Deep Red because every time there's the color red, something bad happens. Mm-hmm. And the killer in the movie, of course, wears a little red. Uh, uh, oh, don't spoil it. We're probably gonna do it. At okay, some okay, okay. I'm sure Eric will forget, but I know we've talked about covering that before. So, oh, but I was also gonna mention: Have you guys heard anything at all about *Malignant*, the new James Wan film? I've heard about it from Sean. Oh, you've seen it, Sean. I haven't seen it. I wanted to go see it, but uh... I started watching it, but and I will return to it. Yeah, well, I won't spoil anything about the movie itself, except to say that it is a jumble of different movies all in one. And there's at least like a half an hour stretch where it is very clearly just doing a giallo. Really? So I'm not going to say if it works, but it's absolutely a, a, a giallo homage piece. So. <laughs> 